on the mountain, in the valley, in the crowded streets, or the empty desert, in our hope, and in our waiting, we are never alone. God is with us. This morning we are starting our new Christmas series, God with us. Um, and that the, the title of this series came out of Matthew chapter 1 that says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give a birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. This morning, I want to talk to us about the mountaintops and the valleys. For Christians, it's easy to believe in God on top of the mountaintops, isn't it? Right? When everything is going well, when everything is going just as you had hoped, when, when there are no troubles at all, when everything is just as you had hoped it was, it's easy to believe that God is with us. Right? It's easy to sense God's presence. When you get a raise, right? When, you, when your favorite football team wins, right? When the kids sleep through the night and don't get up and bother you 15 times, right? When you find a parking spot while you're at the mall, Right? And this season, you guys know how difficult that is. And when things are going great, it is easy, it is easy to sense God. Isn't it easy when, when things are going good to feel like God's with you? But you see, it's more difficult when things are not going as planned. It's way more difficult to feel like God is with you in the middle of the valley. Right? In the middle of the valley, oftentimes it's easy to feel like you're all alone. Like you're the only one that's going through what you're going through. It's easy in the valley to feel scared. It's easy to feel and to be hurting. Right in the valley, you might have gotten there because of bad news or bad circumstances. But in the valley, it's easy to forget that God is with us. How many of you guys have ever had those mountaintop experiences where you knew God was with you? Right, And if you've had those experiences, and you've definitely had the valleys where you question whether God was with you or not, right? But how many of you guys know that, that sometimes in life, you can be both on the mountaintop in one area and in the valley in the others? When, when we think about mountains and valleys, we think overall, right? Well, it's everything is going great or everything is going bad. Right? And can I tell you, if one thing's going bad in your life, it's easy to think that everything's going bad, right? Why? Because what you look for, you see. You guys have heard me say that before. And, and if all you're seeing is the bad that's going on, it's hard to see the good that's actually going on. Right? And sometimes you can be on the mountaintops in some areas, and in other areas of your life, you're totally in the valley. You guys know over the last few months... Um, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And can I tell you, that's tough. It's easy to look at that and to see nothing else. And can I tell you, in some of these moments, it's been difficult for me to remember that God is still with me. But yet other areas of my life during the same time were incredibly positive. 
right? We had friend day and over 150 people showed up. And over 30 to 40 people got saved that day. That's huge. But because of the one valley in my life, it was hard to celebrate. Right? Maybe for you, the valley's the marriage. Maybe, maybe you've got a kid that's walked away from Jesus. Right? Maybe, maybe you feel close to God and then all of a sudden something changed with your job. Right, And we're in this Christmas season, and so there's Christmas blessings going all around. Yet some of us and some of you in here are dealing with things like cancer and sickness and death. So how do we experience God when we're going through the valleys? Listen, valleys are, valleys are a place, right? It's a place of, of, of loneliness. It's a place of desperation. Maybe even depression. It's a place where battles happen. But the good news is valleys can also be places of growth. They can be places that build your faith. They can be places where you experience God in a different way, whether you're in the mountain top or whether you're in the middle of the valley. Listen, we may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know Him more intimately in the valleys. Let me say that again. We may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know Him more intimately in the valleys. Psalm 84, 5-7 says this, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on the pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains and also covers, cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appear before God in Zion. So it says that they passed through the valley of Baca. Uh, the, 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 the valley Baca was desert country. And, and here in, in, this, in this desert valley, there were lots of thorns, right? And, and, and there were wild animals that, that would chase you and would try to kill you. There were vipers. There were snakes, Right, And there were cats, which you guys know that cats are like Satan's favorite animal in the world. And, and there were probably big cats there. And there was danger. And the thing with the valleys is you weren't going to get through the valley unscathed. You were going to come out of the valley with bumps and bruises and cuts if you made it out. You see, it was nearly impossible to travel through the Valley Baca without facing trouble and hardship. You see, the Valley Baca, I believe, is a parallel to our own lives. And many times we, we feel like we're never going to get out. And if we do come out, we come out with bumps and bruises and scrapes and we're bleeding and we're hurting and we feel like the enemy has tried to kill us. But the great thing about valleys is all valleys end. The Valley of Baca, um, when you look at the original um, Hebrew here, it, it means valley of tears or, or valley of weeping or, or valley of loss. Can I tell you, that doesn't sound very encouraging, does it? So the Valley of Aka was, was the Valley of Tears. And some of you in here are in the middle of that valley right now. But what does Psalm 84, 5 says? It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Listen, there may be some of you in here that don't know God personally. And you feel like all that you've got is what you've got. 
Listen, if you don't know Jesus, all you've got is what you've got. Right? And, and, and so if you're exhausted and you don't know God, then you're just going to be exhausted. If you're tired, you're just going to be tired. If you're angry, you're just going to be angry. Why? Because left to yourself, you're going to do the things that you know how to do. But listen, if you're exhausted and you know God, then you can have His strength. If you're tired and you know God, you can have God's strength. If you're hurting and you feel like you can't go on anymore, listen, if you know God, you can have God's strength. Maybe you're saying, man, I can't do it anymore. And you know what? That's right. But you don't have to. Because your strength is in God. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. Talking about God. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Listen, what it doesn't say is blessed are those who can make it on their own. Right? It doesn't say blessed are those who can pull themselves up by their bootstraps. It doesn't say blessed are those who can make it on their own. Listen, we praise people in this country that are independent, don't we? Man, look at them. They're out on their own, right? That's the goal. When you graduate high school, then you go become independent from your parents. You move out. You pay your own bills. All the parents said amen, right? And, and so that's the goal is this independence. But can I tell you, we were never created for independence. You see, you were created to depend on God. We look at people and go, oh, look at what they've got together. They're doing so well. Look, they're doing it all on their own. Can I tell you, I don't want to do it in my strength. I want to do it in God's strength. You see, you are created to depend on God, and we need Him, and we need each other. We were not created to go through life alone. Some of us pride ourselves, well, I don't need any friends. Right? You ever heard anybody say that? And you just look at them and you're going, I really feel bad for you right now. Because you need friends. And you need family. We need each other. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. You know, I don't know if you knew this, um, but I have been known to work out. Um, it's a rumor because um, it hadn't happened in a long time. But I have been known at some points in my life to work out. And one of my best friends in high school and through college, and we still talk now, his name is Eric. You guys have heard me talk about Eric. And Eric, Eric and I used to work out all the time. And believe it or not, at one point in my youth, like 15, 20 years ago, I was a lot buffer and stronger than I am now. And when we'd go to the gym, we would work out and we would work out hard. And I remember this one day we were working out our chest. And so we were doing bench press. And, and if you've ever worked out, you know that the goal is to increase the weight, to, to become stronger so that you can do more. And so sometimes what we do is we would load the bar up with more weight than we could handle. Right, And then he would spot you or I would spot him and you'd start to lift it. Right, And, and when they hit the point where they'd get stuck, you'd give them just a little bit of help to help them go ahead. And usually it involved yelling at them, come on, you got this, push, push, push. Right? How many of you guys ever worked out and you've had spotters like that? And so this one day we were working out and we were going really hard and it was awesome. And I had like 250, 275 pounds in the bar and I was pushing it up and I hit that point where I couldn't push anymore. And that punk yelled, dude, it's all you. trying to push it up. And, and can I tell you, in that moment, I failed. It was too much weight for me to handle on my own. Yet he, he kept going, dude, it's all on you, it's all on you, it's all on you. And you know what I did? I pushed as hard as I could, but it didn't matter how hard I pushed, I could not get it up on my own. And he had to reach down 
and pick it up off me. Oh, man, you had that. I can't believe I had to help you. I'm like, shut up, dude. Listen, when we are weak, we are made perfect in his strength. You want to know why I wasn't worried about that weight falling on my chest and caving it in or falling on my neck and decapitating me? Because I knew that my buddy Eric was going to get it off of me. You see, in life, we've got God who's there to give us his strength. Yet you got to call out to him. And there was a point when I was lifting, and it wasn't going anywhere. If you've ever worked out, you know what I'm talking about. You hit that point where you're, you're there, and all of a sudden, I feel it starting to drop a little bit. And I said, dude, I need you. Get it, get it, get it. And you know what he did? He grabbed it. And sure, he gave me a hard time about it, but he didn't let me fail. See, when we're weak on our own, we're made perfect in God's strength. Psalm 84, 5 in the New Living Translation says, What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. It says, Blessed are those who have set their minds on God. You've got to set your mind on God. Remember the things that I, that I told you, that if you... Look for it, then you'll find it. If you look for it, you will see it. Listen, you've got to set your mind on the things above, not on the things below. Listen to me, you've got to set your mind on God and not your circumstances. Colossians says, whatever is pure, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy, it says dwell or think on these things. Well, pastor, you don't understand. My spouse is a doo-doo head. Cool, I get it. But fix your eyes on God. And put your thoughts on God. And begin to pray for your spouse that they won't be a doo-doo head. Right? Because how many of you guys know sometimes spouses are Stubborn. Or, Pastor, you don't understand. My kids aren't doing what they should be doing. I tell them to pick up their toys and they just leave them there and look at me. Like, I don't, like they don't speak English. Maybe try it in Spanish. That's what we do with our kids. And, 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 and you're looking at them and you're going, Pastor, you don't understand. My kids are rebelling. No, I get it. But look at God. Because if what you're doing isn't fixing it, you can't do it in your own strength. You need something or someone bigger than you to take care of it. Listen, I think some of us stay in the pits of despair because that's the only place that we focus. I think we stay there longer than we have to because we refuse to look up and all we do is we look at what's going on and we've got our head buried so that all we see is the bad and we don't see any of the good and we stay there because it's comfortable. Pastor, pits of despairs aren't comfortable. It can be if it meant that you got to change. And so what do you got to change? You got to change the way you think. Listen, what you think matters. Pastor, you'd be proud of me. I didn't cuss out anybody on the way to church this morning. Man, I'm glad, but did you cuss out them in your head? Did you flip them the bird in your head? Were you talking bad about their mama and their greasy granny? Probably. You should not do that. Listen, what you think about matters. Have many of you guys have ever heard somebody tell a, a child, you're so stupid? Right? Can I just tell you, you should never speak that over a kid. You want to know why? Because if a kid hears it over and over enough and again and again and again, they're going to begin to believe it because what you speak is what comes to fruition. You want to have a bad day? Hey, how many of you guys tomorrow, you just like to wake up and have a bad day? Listen, I'm going to give you the guaranteed way to have a bad day tomorrow. You ready? Here's what you can do. When that alarm clock goes off, it's Monday morning, right? Oh, gosh, it's Monday. Ah, it's a Monday. And when you get up, I want you to go, God, it's Monday. 
Mondays are always bad. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to end up having a Monday that's bad. You want to know why? Because of your thinking. Remember I said, if you look for it, you'll find it. Remember? If you think about it, you'll see it as well. Listen, if I want to think that my wife is mean and rude, it's not going to be hard for me to find things that she does that I can interpret as being mean or rude. If I think that my kids are rebellious and don't listen, then I can find areas where I can see that. It doesn't make it true, but because it's what I'm thinking, it's what I see. How many of you guys have ever said this? I can't sleep. Anybody ever said that? Listen, don't say it. Don't say it. Because you know what you've done when you say, I can't sleep? You've also convinced yourself you can't sleep. Right? Now, now that's, a, that's a really small example, right? But listen, out of the mouth comes either life or death. Those are our two choices. What we speak is either life or it's death. Listen, if you need to sleep and you start going, oh, I can't sleep. I got insomnia. I'm going to be awake all night. Guess what you're going to do? Be awake all night because you're beginning to speak that death into your sleep. So begin to speak live. Focus on the things above. What, what did Colossians say? Whatever is pure, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy, think or dwell on those things. Listen, my current circumstances may be in the middle of the valley, but my mind is fixed on God. Right? My, my heart may be anxious, but my mind is fixed on God. My soul may be aching, but my mind is fixed on God. My emotions may be racing, but my mind is fixed on God. Listen, maybe you've got too much to do, right? Maybe you haven't even started Christmas shopping, or maybe your marriage is in a bad place, or maybe your in-laws just get on your nerves like crazy, or maybe you're trying to figure out how you're even going to pay for Christmas and pay for meals and pay for stuff. But listen, if your mind is fixed on God, the other things will take care of themselves. In verse 6, it says, As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also and cover it with pools. Listen, it says, as they pass through. Listen, we may be in the middle of the valley, but we have got to understand that the valley is not the destination. Come on. We may be right in the middle of the valley, but we've got to understand that the valley isn't the place we go to rest. We are just passing through. Listen, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? What did it say? Did it say, even though I lay down in the valley of the shadow of death? Even though I sit down and drink a cup of coffee in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death? No, it says, as I walk through. Listen, some of us need to walk through our valleys. But that's not easy, is it? Because valleys are hard. Listen, some of us in here would just rather our valleys be gone. Right? We just want out, right? And we pray prayers like, God, just take this away from me. Make it stop. I can't handle it anymore. God, I, make it stop. Listen, God says that the way is through, not out. You want to get out of your valley, then walk through your valley. Quit asking God to get you out. Ask God to help you through. So what are they doing? They, they were heading towards Jerusalem, right? The house of God, the city of refuge. It was the place of peace. To get to the city of refuge, they had to travel through the valley of tears. Listen, for many, the valley is the pathway to the place of peace. For you, it may seem hard and you may not be able to tell what's going on. But if you will keep walking through, you eventually get to your destination. But you got to remember that in the midst of the valley, you have not arrived. You are not at your destination. So the only thing you can do is walk. Verse 6 says that as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains over it and also covers it with pools. Says they make it 
a place of springs. I like the way the King James Version says it. It says they make it a well. Have you guys ever been in the desert? Anybody ever been in the desert? If you're in the desert, what happens in the desert? It's hot. It's dry. There's no water there. But you know what happens? In the desert, if you begin to dig a hole, you know what happens to that hole? Eventually it gets filled with water. See, all throughout the Old Testament, we see where it talked about our, the, the spiritual forefathers digging wells. And can I tell you, when it comes to dry places in our lives and we're in the midst of the valley, some of us need to begin to dig a well. Pastor, what in the world does that mean? Because I have city tap water. I don't need a well. Listen, some of us in the midst of the valley are going through incredibly dry times from God. Or we feel like we're in the midst of a desert. And we feel like God isn't speaking to us. Or we feel like God is not there. But listen to me, God hasn't gone anywhere. See, the same God that's the God of the mountaintop is still the God in the valley. The only thing that has changed is your position. Right? And so I believe that many times the reason God doesn't speak to us is we haven't prepared ourselves to be spoken to. My wife and I, one of the things we do to relax in the evenings is we like to watch TV and we put something on the TV, but we don't really watch it. It's kind of on in the background and we'll both be on our phone. She'll be reading books. I'll be reading dumb articles or playing stupid games on my phone. That's just how we relax. And, and sometimes my wife wants to speak to me. And sometimes I don't want to hear what she's got to say because I'm in the midst of my game. I'm like three more levels and I'm going to bleat this. And if I'm going to hear what she's got to say, then I've got to prepare myself to hear it. So you know what that means? I've got to put my phone down. I've got to mute the TV and go, okay, now what was that? Because I didn't hear you at all. Right? And she'll get frustrated at me. But in that moment, I wasn't prepared to listen, but then I was. And so you know what she does so lovingly? She says it again. Sometimes with a little bit more angst than the first time. Right? But I think we all do that, don't we? And, and so you want to know why she gets frustrated. It wasn't because I didn't hear her. It said I wasn't prepared to hear her. So I believe many times God is silent in our own lives because we haven't gotten prepared to hear from God. So I believe for some of us, it's time for us to just get back into our prayer closet and get alone and begin to dig that well and wait for God to speak. Listen, maybe you're in the dry place in your life right now. Maybe you're in the midst of the valley where, where it doesn't seem like anything's going right. Begin to dig that spiritual well, right? You, you, you dig a small container, a small hole. Well, why? Because we know that it's going to fill up. So listen, in the middle of the valley, in the middle of the desert, you dig the hole and you have trust that God will fill it. Do you hear me? If you're in the middle of the valley, you've got to dig the hole and it's not just enough to dig the hole, right? That's having the faith to do it, but you've got to have the trust that God is going to make it rain or God is going to fill it. You see, what happens is you got to make space for God to move. You see, we see that Jesus did this in the lives of people, didn't he? He said, stretch out your hand. He said, get up and walk. Jesus said, if you show me your faith, then I will show you my faithfulness. So what kind of shape are you in? Maybe it's physically. Maybe, maybe your body, you're struggling. 
Maybe it's, it's financially. There's some struggles there. Maybe it's relationships or, or, or kids. Whatever it is, here's my question that I would ask is, are you making room for God to move? Listen, buried in the middle of this passage of pain is a promise, and it's this. If you dig it, God will fill it. If you draw near to me, God said, I will draw near to you. If you seek me, then you will find me. If you make room for me, I will reveal myself to you. But here's what I've learned over the years is that God rarely reveals himself to you if you're rushed. God, I got two minutes. Speak, Lord, I'm listening. And then we expect God to just open it up, but that's not typically how God does it. Think back to the burning bush. Was that a short thing that happened there? No, it took some time. And Moses saw it off in the distance. And it wasn't unusual to see a, a bush burst into flames, but it was unusual that it kept burning. And so he walked up there and God told him, he said, Moses, take off your shoes because the ground you're standing on is holy ground. And in that moment, Moses began to have communion with God. And he wasn't up there for just one worship song or three worship songs that he had planned on his, on his tablet iPad, right? The only tablet he had was a concrete one. It wouldn't be good for listening to music through. Right? He didn't have a worship team up playing a music so that he could feel God. He didn't have music playing in the background so that he could press in and hear what God says. No, it was just him alone on the mountaintop. In the middle of the desert with a bush that kept on burning. See, I believe sometimes we don't hear God because we haven't slowed down enough to hear from God. We, we live in a microwave society, don't we? In a fast food society. If you don't want to cook tonight, good news. You can just drive through the drive-thru and get something that substitutes this food because we can't call any of it real food, right? And, and we can get something that, that can put calories in our body and give us some nutrition. What can I tell you? Fast food doesn't compare to a home-cooked meal. Here's the thing about home-cooked meals, though, is it takes time. What did God say? He said, be still and know that I am God. You got to be still in the presence of God. When was the last time that you got alone with God and were still in his presence? Because what do we do? We maybe read a chapter or two or, or maybe a verse or two and, and we, we throw up a couple of prayers hoping that God will grab them and answer them. But we don't take the time to be still and listen to what God would say to us. Listen, prayer is a two-way thing, not a one-way line. So you got to begin to hear from God. And the only way you can hear from God is if you get alone and get still. See, what happens is you got to prepare for the presence of God. You see, I think back to even Old Testament times when, when they were building the temple. Well, what was the temple? The temple, they were preparing for the presence of God that would dwell inside the temple. Right? And so there were certain things that had to be done. And if a minister or a priest at the time who would be a modern day pastor or a minister was to go into the presence of God, they had to prepare themselves and if they went in in an unworthy manner, God would strike them dead. Why? Because we serve a holy God. And so they had to prepare to receive the presence of God. Yet some of us in here don't do that, do we? We sin one moment and then go to God the next. We're looking at pornography on our phone one minute and the very next we're talking about how much we love God because our favorite worship same. Favorite worship song came on. Right? We're out drinking on Saturday night and getting drunk, and then we're back at church and we're like, ooh, praise Jesus, he's so good. Do 
you got to prepare for the presence of God. Can I tell you, I believe many times the reason the church is without power is because we got a bunch of Christians who haven't prepared for the presence of God. The reason we walk into church services and nothing happens is because you've got a church that wasn't prepared for the presence of God. The reason that we've got a world that's around us going to hell is because we've got a group of believers around the world that have not prepared for the presence of God. The reason that miracles happen in the New Testament was because people were prepared for the presence of God. Yet some of us can't even take the five minutes to prepare to hear one thing from God, let alone receive a miracle from God. Am I saying God always does miracles? No. But I can guarantee you if you don't prepare yourself for it, you'll never get it. Listen, we've got a workout facility over there that's great. It's got weights in there. And if you go use it, you're going to get in shape. But if you don't use it, you ain't going to get in shape. Right? You're going to put on 20, 30, 40 pounds. Why? Because it doesn't matter what it has the potential to do if you don't prepare yourself for it. Listen, you're not going to go work out in a suit. Like me right now. I'm dressed up pretty nice. I'm not going to go work out in this. If I do, this coat's going to bust. This shirt, the the buttons are going to pop. And listen, it's not because I'm so swole. It's because I'm so swollen. Right? And and why? Because I'm not prepared. Yet some of us get mad because we go to church and God doesn't speak to us. And we get mad at God. Well, God, that pastor just ain't feeding me. Maybe if you began to feed yourself, you wouldn't need a pastor to feed you. Maybe if you were prepared to receive from God on a Sunday morning, maybe God would speak to you. Listen, if the only time you ate during a week was on a Sunday morning, you'd be starving. You would be unhealthy. You would be anemic. But yet many of us rely on a pastor to give us a message that's going to carry us through the week. We got to begin to prepare ourselves for the presence of God in our lives. And if we don't, we're going to keep walking around like everybody else in the world with no power and no difference. Over the last few months, we've had a lot of moments that I've questioned God. Right? And we've had moments that I'm going, God, I don't understand what you're doing. Why would you allow this to happen? But you know what I've got to do? I've got to put those things aside and still prepare myself for the presence of God so that I can continue to pastor and I can continue to shepherd God's people. Does it mean I don't acknowledge what's going on? No, it, it, it does, and I've got to do that. But, but can I tell you, I've got to be prepared for the presence of God so that I can continue to pastor. Listen, you guys want me to have a fresh anointing each and every day. How many of you guys would be okay if next week I preached the same message I preached today? Right? Or the next week I preached the same message. Or Christmas Eve I preached the same message. Some of y'all would be going, well, pastor obviously ain't been preparing. And so he's just grabbing his old notes. Right? But you know what's crazy? I could preach the same message the next four weeks and some of you guys wouldn't even notice. I could preach the same message. You're going to continue to hear new things. Why? Because all things are new in God. It's the reason that you can read the same scripture for the hundredth time and get something different this time. Because it's alive and it's breathing. But you see, I've got to have a fresh anointing and I've got to have a fresh word from God so that I can speak it and exhort this congregation. And you want that. You want a fresh fire. Right? How many of you guys like fire? I love winter because you can do fires. Well, unless you're doing winter in Mejia, then you crank the air conditioning down so you can do fires. 
Did it three weeks ago. Don't play. Um, and you know what's great about fires? When you first start the fire, man, it's big and it's crackling and there's a big flame. But you know what happens when you leave the flame unattended? It begins to go down and all of a sudden those embers begin to turn black and gray instead of red. And so what do you do in order to make the fire go again? You got to stack some more wood and you got to stoke the fire. You see, I believe that it's time for some of us in our own spiritual lives to be some stick stackers. And we're grabbing one stick, putting it back on the fire, and then we got to stoke it. Listen, stoking it is preparing it for what's about to take place. See, in our own lives, we pray that God will reach out and pour his spirit out. And for some of us in here, you got filled with the Holy Spirit many years ago, but you've been speaking those same seven or eight words the entire time. You know what that tells me? You haven't been being filled. And so what do you got to do? You got to continue to allow yourself to be prepared. You've got to allow yourself to be open. You got to continue to stoke the fire. How do you do that? You do that by getting alone with God. So you see, sometimes in the midst of our valleys, we've still got to lead on the mountaintops. Sometimes in our own lives, when we're going through some of the hardest times, people need us the most. And we say things like, I just don't have anything else to give. Anybody ever said that? And so what do we do? We've got to rely on God to give us something to give. And can I tell you what God wants to give and what I've got left to give? You'd rather have what God wants to give. Listen, God never said that you won't go through valleys. Matter of fact, he promised that you would. But the great thing is you never have to go through valleys alone. You never have to go through the valleys alone. You got friends. You got family. You've got a church family that wants to walk with you. But listen, if you keep trying to walk through the valley and somebody tries to come up and walk with you come on man I'm tired of nobody walking with me man, why is nobody walking with me come on can I just have somebody to walk with me what is can I can I tell you thank you Ashley. sometimes that's what we do in our lives isn't it we want people to walk with us but we continue to push people away and don't let people in Listen, I get it. I hate being emotional. I hate crying. But you know what? I do it. And there are times in my life when I don't want people to see me cry. Because if they see me cry, then they're going to know I'm weak. Because we, unfortunately in America, we equate tears to weakness. But maybe tears are equated to preparedness. Or sensitivity. When Tina and I first got married eight, almost nine years ago, I never cried. Am I lying? I never cried. We had people that, that passed away in the church that I was good friends with, and I didn't cry. Why? Because I had to be strong for everybody. And you know what I soon realized? My strength wasn't enough. Even though I was a big dude at the time, 300 plus, plus pounds, my shoulders weren't big enough to carry the burden alone. And you know what? I had a pastor who cried and wept. And I remember as a young man, that was, I was about 26, 27 at the time, I'm going, man, this dude always cries. What's his deal? He needs to toughen up a little bit. It ain't that big of a deal. Quit crying. Quit crying before I give you something to cry about. No, I'm joking. I never said that to my pastor. But there was something that I realized in there is that he was sensitive to the move of God. And I said, God, I don't want to be an emotional sissy, but God, I can't keep going on like I'm going. I need you to soften my heart. And you know what happened? I cried. When God would begin to move, I cried. And all of a sudden, because I opened myself up emotionally, I was able to walk with people better. 
Listen, you lead people through your strengths, but you connect with them in your weakness. Listen, you don't have to be strong all the time. It's okay to be weak and for people to know that you can't do it on your own because guess what? They already do. You don't have to go through the valleys alone. Verse 7 says, they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Listen, you go from strength to strength. Have you ever noticed that when good things are going on in your life, it's easy to see more good things? Have you ever noticed that, that people who are blessed seem to keep being blessed? Right? It's like, boom, blessing. Boom, blessing. Boom, blessing. And see, because you're so spiritual in, in your head, you're going, God, thank you for blessing them. No, you're probably going, God, why are they getting blessed and I'm not getting blessed? Right? And we get jealous because they've prepared themselves. It says they go from strength to strength. And you know what happens? When you begin to get strong in God in one area, the good news is you don't have to start over in the next area. You go from strength to strength to strength to strength to strength on this journey. But pastor, in the middle of the storm, it's dark, right? In the middle of the valley, it's dark. In the middle of the valley, there's a storm. In the middle of the valley, there's trouble. In the middle of the valley, I'm weak. Listen, he's your light in the darkness. He's your peace in the middle of the storm. He's your joy in the midst of trouble. And he is your strength when you are weak. You guys know my dad was diagnosed with small cell lung cancer several months ago now. See, I did the dumb thing and do what happens when, when diagnosis happens is I Googled it. Anybody ever done that? You know what I found out on Google? That small cell lung cancer has a 2% survival rate to five years. Let me translate that for some of you that aren't math people. It means at the five-year mark, only 2% of those who are diagnosed are still alive. A majority of the people who get diagnosed with small cell lung cancer pass away within the first 6 to 12 months. Most of them closer to the six-month mark. Can I tell you, when we got the diagnosis... We were scared. We were. We didn't understand. We cried out to God. God, what, what, what is this? Why, why are you doing this? Yes, as, as a pastor, as someone who's been doing this, I asked God, God, why are you doing this? That was the wrong question. It wasn't God that did it. The truth is, is some decisions that my dad has made all of his life contributed to this. But it doesn't make it easy, does it? And can I tell you, I don't know the countless tears that we've cried. The nights that we've been woken up or that I've been woken up in the middle of the night crying Realizing that this may be the last holiday season we've got with my dad. I don't know how to explain that. But I didn't get it. As a, as a family, we, we talked about it and, and we made plans to, to do Christmas. We always do Christmas with my mom and then do Christmas with my dad and his wife um, within the next like week or month or so. And so we made plans to rearrange our schedule to be able to spend our, our last holiday season with my dad. And it's been a battle. For the last six months or so, my dad's been in excruciating pain. 
for the last four months, he, he hasn't been able to keep any food down. Anything he eats, he's throwing it right back up. He's lost close to 40, 45 pounds over the last two, three months. And can I tell you in the midst of it, I question God. But you know what's great? God's big enough to handle our questions. Listen, when you're going through tough circumstances, it's okay to question God and ask God questions for clarity. Ask God to give you wisdom. Ask God to tell you why. To ask God to help you use the tragedy in your life to advance the kingdom. Friday, in the midst of, of a funeral for Trooper Allen, uh, my phone started ringing. Um, glad that I put it on vibrate because that had been really embarrassing. Um, but it was my, my dad's wife had called and said, hey, give me a call. And can I tell you, when in the midst of dealing with things where, you're, where you know it's a possibility they could pass away, a phone call that you get makes your heart stop for just a moment. So I, I texted him and said, hey, we're at the funeral. Let me, I'll, I'll call you when we, when we get into the procession. And, and so we called my dad. And my dad had an on, oncology uh, visit on, on Friday with the oncologist. He had already completed radiation. And the doctor said, hey, um, your pain is improving. That's good. He goes, we're going to start chemotherapy on the 8th, and you're going to do three rounds, uh, three weeks apart. So for the next nine weeks, you're going to do chemotherapy. And this is what the doctor said to my dad. He goes, based on everything here, he goes, but we're going to have to, we'll have to, you know, get PET scans and, and do all the tests. He goes, but I'm fairly confident we can put it into 100% remission. And can I tell you in that moment... I just cried. I was excited. Because what was a bleak circumstance, it looked like there was some hope. And can I tell you, my dad's not out of the woods yet. But in the midst of pain, in the midst of pain, there was good news. But in this whole process of praying over the last six months and in, in dealing with cancer, as I asked God about my dad, as I asked God about Brian, the one thing that I kept hearing over and over again was trust me. Trust me. And can I tell you, if you can learn to trust God and enjoy God in the valley, it'll take your relationship to a whole new level on the mountaintop. Pastor, you don't understand. You've never walked through my valley. You know what? You're right. I probably haven't. But I do know it's in the valley where you can get intimately close with God. And when we get to know God in the valley, it allows us to enjoy him on the mountaintop. So what do we do? We seek his strength. Listen, you feel weak? Then seek his strength. You feel like you can't go on? Ask God to strengthen you to do it. So you've got to seek God's strength. You've got to fix your mind on the things above. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, you've got to begin to fix your eyes and your mind on heaven. And the last thing you've got to do is you've got to, prepare, you've got to prepare for God's presence and you've got to dig a well. You've got to dig a well. Pastor, I'm in the middle of the valley. There's no water in sight. It hasn't rained for months. I've had no good news in years. you got to dig a well and trust God that he'll fill it. 
you got to dig a well and trust that God will fill it. Listen, here's what it is. It's putting your faith into action. It's one thing knowing God can do something. It's another thing preparing for God to do it. I can understand that God wants to heal my knee, but if I never walk, then I'm not walking in faith. Right? I can believe that God is going to heal my migraines, but if I keep thinking how terrible these migraines are, then you know what I'm going to feel? How terrible these migraines are. So I believe some of us in here need to begin to praise God before the healing takes place. I believe some of us in here need to praise God for the breakthrough before the breakthrough takes place. I believe some of us in here need to begin to praise God for bringing us out of the valley when we're in the midst of the valley. Psalm 139, 7-10 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Listen, it doesn't matter where you are. God can still reach you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God can still be your strength and your comfort and your hope. But it's going to take you preparing for his presence. God, today, oh, we thank you that not only are you a God of the mountaintops, but God, you're a God of the valleys. God, and in the midst of the valleys, God, we begin to grow. God, we begin to see you in a different light. God, we know that in the midst of the valleys, God, we can get to know you in a more intimate way. But God, the valleys are hard. So God, help us go through them. With every head bowed, every eye closed today, you would say, Pastor, I'm in the midst of a valley, and I want you to pray with me. Maybe it's a bunch of things. Maybe it's one thing. But today you'd say, Pastor, that's me. Pray with me. If that's you, just raise your hand right where you are. Yeah, hands all over the place. God, I pray for those who raise their hands, God, and maybe those who didn't have the strength to even admit that they were in the valley. God, we pray right now for supernatural strength in Jesus' name. God, we pray that when they feel like they've got no more to give, God, that they're done, God, that they'll begin to rely on your strength. God, that you will help them remember that even in the midst of the valley, God, that it is not a destination, but they are going through it. God, we ask that, that, God, you would help them walk through it. God, that, that even as they question you, God, that your voice would be loud and clear. God, as they begin to dig the wells and prepare for your presence, God, we pray that you would pour out your spirit. God, for the hurting, we pray for your comfort. God, we pray for a peace that passes all understanding to come into their lives. God, we pray that in this moment, God, you would be exactly what they need. God, help them fix their minds on you and on things above. God, help them change their focus to their circumstances to you.
with every head still bowed, every eye still closed. Today you'd say, Pastor, I'm not where I should be with Jesus. Maybe you've never followed him as Lord and Savior, or maybe you have at one point and you've walked away. And because of circumstances, you, you, you've, you're nowhere near to where, God, that you should be. That relationship is strained. There's something going on. And today you'd say, Pastor, pray for me that my relationship would be right with God again. If that's you, just raise your hand right where you are. I see your hands. I see hands over here. Anybody else? God, today we, we, we thank you, God, for those who would admit that their relationship isn't where it should be with you, God. Maybe they've never followed you and this is the first time they've done it, God, or maybe this is the second, third, or even the hundredth time that they've come back to you. God, we pray that you would give them strength to walk with you, God, courage and boldness to stick it out. God, we know that your scripture says that if we draw near to you, that you'll draw near to us. God, that if we ask you, that you'll answer. God, if we seek you and we seek you out, God, that we will find you. So God, I thank you this morning, God, that you have made yourself real. God, I pray that you would help each and every one of us walk this life out. God, in a way that is worthy of the call that you've called us to. God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.